April 2nd, 2023. We're continuing in Mesilat Yesharim. We're nearing the end of Perek Yod Aleph. Of course, Mesilat Yesharim Ramchal has been describing to us the Midah of Nikiyut, of cleansing oneself. And we've been brought through a description of many sins and many mitzvot, which we're deficient in abstaining from and performing in the appropriate fashion. But beyond that, what Mesilat Yesharim has now, in the last few weeks, for our purposes, been discussing are different midot uh, with regards to character traits and refinement of those and the way in which it's prevalent and it's very common for us to fall prey uh, to normal human attract, attraction to all sorts of deficient ways of life. And at the end of uh, last week's class, what we were really discussing was this midah of kinah, this midah ra'ah of kinah, kinah meaning, meaning jealousy of another. And of course, as with regards to all the other midot, ra'ot, which we've discussed and developed in this perik, there are different levels, there are different applications of kina. There's a person who will be excessive in his kina, and others who will be a little bit more tempered. But ultimately speaking, kina, said misilat yasharim, nothing that's a hidush per se to us is destructive in nature. Ve'omnam, he writes, lu yade'u ve'lu yavinu ki en adam nogea he cites from Gemara Masechet Yoma that you should know a person doesn't even have the ability to touch on that which is mukhan uh, lahavero, to come close to something which is, uh, so to speak, already separated for another. So you're jealous of their possession. You want that which they have attained, but it's theirs. And the Gemara in the eyes of the rabbis describes to us uh, once that's another person's, Kivyachol and Akadosh Baruch Hu's domain, in the larger scheme of things, you don't have a chance at it. There's a larger plan, and there's a more detailed analysis and approach to these sorts of matters. So as much as it appears to you as if I could have and should have had that just as much as him, it's not so. That's muhan lahavero. Of course, this would be determined by the unfathomable will and wisdom and ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If a person were to truly comprehend this, if this were to be your understanding, there would be no reason uh, to feel bad or to be depressed or sorrowful about another person being successful. After all, that's what the Navi describes about... Uh, the reality in Yomot HaMashiach, in order for there to be a complete goodness for Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will preempt it by removing from our hearts and minds this terrible attribute, this terrible character trait known as Kina. The Az, and at that time period, there won't be sorrow about the goodness that's just befalling the other person. And in turn, you won't need to hide it from another because of your fear or your suspicion that they'll be jealous of you. So 
says Mislat Yisharim, that'll be a state and time during which our way of being will be uh, along the lines of, almost equivalent to that of Malachi Hasharet, a happiness, a contentful uh, approach to life and realizing that I'm fulfilling my mission. It's not necessary for me to be looking at the others. Everyone is aware of and fully familiar with uh, truth. Give me one second. That'll bring to a state and time during which there's that. Uh, the truth is, just uh, give me one sec to just develop this point. The truth is that the description of uh, these, uh, this future time during which we'll all exist like angels, uh, that's a very telling description. It, to a certain extent, gives perspective on why we have this innate drive, of course, to attribute our understanding to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's ways in crafting us and the ways that we've been brought into this world is uh, undoable, but we sometimes try to touch on the, uh, on the tip of the iceberg to try to appreciate uh, certain realities as they are. And so the way I was taught this is as follows, is that um, the fact that in this world, you and I will want to look at others will and can do one of two things. It could do positive, it can do negative. Generally speaking, unfortunately, it's going to lead us to negative. I start focusing on your success, on that which is going well for you, and in turn I imagine that that should be mine. I'm ro'eh and rotze bera'atam shel acherim. I want the evil to befall you because I feel that I need to be higher than you. Alternatively, I can be looking at you and overly obsessed with your life and in turn be looking to make it better. Each of those are not accessible, so to speak, to an angelic state of mind. If an individual understands the other's situation in the full sense, in the emet la'amito, if, if, if I were to accept, well, listen, that's his lot in life, that's where he is, and he's not going to change that, so to speak, in some way or another. Of course, he'll put in all his effort, but I'm accepting of that. I, in turn, won't want to involve myself even to better that person's life. Do you understand? In other words, the idea of focusing and not realizing the emet la'amito of angels, as he describes it. The fact that we live in a world, as we describe it all the time, of process, means by definition there's a certain hester. If everything was revealed to me and you, I wouldn't be interested in looking to better the other. It's, of course, how we always mention that Gemara Masechet Berachot, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is questioned by Moshe Rabbeinu, why is it that there's Sadiq Vera'lo and Rasha' Vetoblo, to which he's never given a fully sufficient and complete answer, but effectively the answer is you wouldn't be a human being if you had the answer to that. You wouldn't be striving to better the lives of others. You wouldn't be seeking to pray for another. You wouldn't be caring about the other person. You'd say the reason they're sick, the reason that's a difficult situation in their life, the reason that business deal fell through, the reason they're impoverished or that and or another thing is going wrong for them is because of X, Y, and Z. The moment I would understand that, I wouldn't be interested in helping them any longer, which means to say, like pretty much everything else, Kina then has this double-sided, double-edged sword. 
there's the opportunity, the responsibility that we have since we don't understand, since we don't wrap our heads around this Gemara and Yoma of En Adam Nogea There's a positive to that. There's the fact that whereas a Malach is only going to do that which he's commissioned and pro- 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 uh, propositioned to do. He's an agent and in turn he has to and will willfully perform that which he is told to do. And they can't do anything differently because they see it straight. They know this is my mission, this is my task. I can't in turn avert my gaze. And if I avert my gaze, what's it going to help me? That's an angelic type of uh, state of mind. That's an after the end of existence as we know it, as he described from the Navi Yeshaya, where we'll be. But Kina then is going to be a reality because since we don't know about the other, since our eyes will in turn be on the other, if we use it positively, we're going to be bettering the lives of others. If alternatively, we fall prey to, well, why does he have good? Not focusing on the deficiency of the other. And why isn't it that I can't have that? So, of course, that's going to be the destructive, detrimental side of matters. In truth, there's even, in looking of the, at the goodness of the other, an opportunity to raise yourself as well. In other words, instead of, it's the classic example that Rabbi Eliach used to teach us as as teachers, and as, student, I rem- as a student, I remember him repeating this as well. He says there's a test uh, in a class. He, I don't know if he actually saw it or he described it as if he saw it. He says two young men were, uh, compared young women, were uh, challenging one another which one of them was taller than the other. And so each one of them, let's put these words into it, was jealous of the other, assuming that the other was actually taller than them. So in one circumstance, I made up these two circumstances, uh, in order to win against the other, he dug a little ditch below the feet of the other. So effectively then, even though they were close in height, it appeared as if the person he was challenging to the height uh, contest was shorter because he dug that rose ra'atan. Alternatively, it's still cheating, but it's an altogether different type of way of looking to raise yourself. If you put a mound underneath your own feet instead of taking down the other, Effectively, you're looking to raise yourself up. Uh, that's kinat sofrim If I look at the other and I see what's going right in their life and I'm inspired to better myself, of course, not in a cheating sense in that uh, example, uh, that's another positive that is outgrown uh, from a kinah. So kinah, as detrimental as it is, and I think we're at this point, certainly doctors are conditioned to this sort of thought, as much poison as there might be inherent in something, oftentimes describes more than anything its power, its potency, which means that if spun in the positive direction, it can bring lots of good. It can cause me to, in turn, be interested in bettering the other, as opposed to bringing them down, since I am focused on them, since I don't understand why they have that and I don't, or why they don't have that and they should. Um, and it can also bring to, of course, the destructive nature of not realizing uh, this is their, uh, their halik, and in turn, my halik is altogether different. What am I spending my time focused on them, something external to my own reality, instead of foc- focusing on my own? Sorry, Ralph. No, go Continues, Mr. I, I mean, I think it's the same spin that other things. It's, is what you consider is the same as when you say that if we focus like in justice, like the, the angels, right? It would be justice. Would say, well, everything that happens is justice. No reason to interfere. Same point. And we should be same, same point. way that we're given mercy. Same we, point. We but kina no. is even stronger because kina means, by definition, I'm focusing on the other. It's not just on an end. No, the same way you were saying, go above justice and have mercy. That same ability to have mercy is to have envy. 
I understand. Uh, of course. Can, uh, what Michel has said, like, is still jealousy between Sebet, yourself, I mean, yourself and Yehuda? What's that? There Why? won't be jealousy anymore. But still je- jealousy now? I mean, uh, we, we deal with jealousy in Am Yisrael until today, of course. I mean, yeah. I, have you not met people who are yeah, jealous? Yeah, one no, but still, Just because you're no, a Sadiq, yeah. No, no, because like, you're yeah. still, um, you yeah. know, uh, Yosef and Yudah. Yeah. Now this is Yashaya speaking. Even, I'm saying earlier, when he talks about, and you don't think you're going to be jealous when you see them in Olam Haba, and you think you don't care in this world when you get to the next world, and when he's talking about, saying, Right, interesting. So Ralph points out along the lines of I think what we're discussing. He, himself. he himself mentioned at the very beginning when he was talking about inspiring others, and he said a way in which you can inspire others is you'll turn to them and you'll say, "Listen, you don't care in this world per se." Excuse me, no, that was the next stage. Yeah. He said, "You think, you think you're not gonna, that I'm you're okay just going to get a helik la'olam haba?" And I'm okay with Don't that? you want the front row seats in this world? You're really okay with the nosebleeds? Uh, so in other words, over there as well, you're inspiring others to grow the kinat sofrim type of reality through looking at the other. It's raising myself as opposed to putting them down. Yeah, 100%. But he said it's a reality. Even in this world, you know, if someone was... Sure, sure. Then he continued to talk yeah. about it in this world. If you pay attention, you'll notice, so to speak, the sister of jealousy. It's a coveting and it's a being lustful of another or of something else. That's what, to a certain extent, keeps us... Um, uh, energetic, but in a negative way. It's what strains us, it's what stresses us, the fact that we want more, the fact that we're looking for something which will give us more pleasure or more material gain. He cites from a Midrash, Reality is such that you won't have half of that which you lost and desire at your death, which means to say you will in turn be constantly, consistently throughout your life chasing, seeking, searching for more. He says the truth is the core of that lustful, desire, desireful chase is in two directions. One is just finances, is money, and the other is honor. Both of them are uh, not equally, but are both terrible and, and evil and will in turn cause a person raot rabot. What's the difference between jealousy? Oh, he's going he's gonna to develop it for us in a moment. Which part? Ta'ava and Hamda? No, not the sister. The sister. So, so, oh, one is that I'm focused on the other, looking for their uh, stuffs, whereas this one is I'm just looking at, well, there is a lot of wealth to be amassed. It's not because I notice other wealthy people. It's not because I see the success of another. It's just that I want more. Oh, not, not really That's why it's people. the sister of it. It has nothing to do with other people. It has to do with my own. I'm just focused on needing more. I'm just focused on being there, as opposed to because he's there, because he has that. That's why it's the ahot. As the, the desire for money is what chains us up with an eternal chain, 
and gives us in turn those, those, those handcuffs and those uh, constraining ways throughout our life. Kinyan hakatub, it's along the lines of what the Pasuk says in Kohelet, Ohev kesef lo kesef. A person who loves money will never be satiated by money. They'll constantly be seeking it, and in turn, anything and everything they'll do in life will be stunted because of their focus, their distraction by their lust for that. He hamisira otomin ha'avoda. It in turn removes us from derech darkeha avoda. Our worship, our service of God is diminished through our ta'avat ha'mamun, through our hamdat ha'mamun. Misilat Yisharim again is citing, and he'll get a little bit more specific in a moment, this Pasukim Kohelet. There's an irony over here as well. It's a purposeful irony. The Gemara Masechet Makot and Daf Yod cites this Pasuk, ironically, in the context of Moshe Rabbeinu. You mind shudder for a moment and assume we're going to say something negative about Moshe Rabbeinu. Here's the irony. The Gemara is citing it positively. The Gemara says, although the three Arim of Arim Miklat, which are in Ever Hagyardin, uh, to the east of the Transjordan area before the entrance into um, Eretz Israel, were only going to be koltot. They were only going to take effect once the three Arim in Eretz Israel were also established, making in total six Arim Miklat. Of course, I'm referring to the city of refuge. If a person accidentally killed another, the Torah says, uh, you're supposed to have six cities where the person who killed accidentally can run there and seek refuge. Family members, the Goel Hadam, should be able to kill them if they're outside of the city. If they make their way to that city, the Torah promises the Halakha in turn um, uh, secures for them a safe zone. That's called the Eid Miklat. The Halakha, though, is that the Shesh Arim, all six of the cities, explains the Mishnah basing itself on a Pasuk, are only going to work, they're only going to take effect, so to speak, that if I'm there and I killed Bishogeg, it'll be effective for me once all six are in place. Moshe is told, you're not going to enter into the land of Canaan. You'll never live in Eretz Yisrael. So then why does the Pasuk tell us, Az Yavdil Moshe Shalosh Arim? Why is it that Moshe then decided that the three cities outside of Israel was necessary, was appropriate for him to set up? They were never going to take effect in his lifetime. Says the Gemara, Ohev Kesef, Lo Kesef. So to speak, that insatiable need that mindset of, if it's the opportunity to grab on to something else, but it's not going to satiate you. They're never going to actually be kultot, but I'll throw something else in, but I'll grab another thing. Effectively, that drive, that ohiv kesef lo kesef, of noticing something external which will never fully be fulfilled within you. A person will not die with having even half of his desires fulfilled, and yet we're still seeking and still searching for all of our desires' fulfillment, uh, we can spin that to the positive way. We can, in turn, appreciate Shmirat Torah Mitzvot, to appreciate Chesed Ve'emet, to appreciate Limud Torah, to be able to appreciate as much as I won't know it all, as much as this won't uh, be, bring me to the state of being where I want to be, so again, we're talking about the detrimental negative side, but I'm again stressing for you that that midah within which 
um, we find the negativity, generally speaking, if we just reappropriate it, if we redirect it, uh, we can bring an altogether different reality for ourselves. It's just drive. Of course. We're talking about drive. It's pasuk and kohelet. It's not only to be taken literally. Kesef is something which is, which is external from myself and in turn is insatiable. Ki hine kama tefilot ne'evadot ve kama mitzvot nishkachot mepenei rov ha'esek v'hiyat ha'amon ha'sechora. Look at how many prayers, and he means it literally. Tefilah, maybe tefilah b'tzibur, tefilah b'kavana are lost. And how many mitzvot or nishkachot are, are forgotten, are not fulfilled? Because of the arduous and strenuous and stressful involvement in, in business and making more money. And all the more so Talmud Torah. Talmud Torah without proper focus without the appropriate energy, is lost altogether when a person has their mind on all, all sorts of other matters. The Gemara Eruvin being Doresh, this Pasuk, that the Torah is not Me'ever Layam. It's not over the seas. It's not a great uh, statement, the Gemara, for the Syrians. But ultimately speaking, the statement is, if you want true fulfillment of Torah, it can't be a person who's constantly in transit. A person who's constantly in transit is a person who's constantly distracted person who doesn't have a grip of their bearings, a person who isn't able to focus appropriately on Torah, Tefillah, Mitzvot. Lo kol machkim is the Mishnah in Avot, not everyone who's involved in business is able to in turn. Of course, it's a, it's a pleasant way of saying it will be difficult to become hacham through involvement and over-engagement in Sohora. Hi ha-moseret oto la-sakanot rabot, it's that which hands us over to all sorts of both physical and spiritual dangers. It takes away, it diminishes our power, our energy, even after we've achieved so much. And so too, the Mishnah tells us, We always say, it's just one more deal and then I'll be able to settle down. Just one more year and then I'll be able to stop this sort of activity. Once I get this finished, once I'm involved in this matter, I'll be able to stabilize. Uh, the statement instead is, It's something I think we're all familiar within our own lives in one way or another. Of course, the positive spin in the other direction is the more spiritual achievements I have, the more I can and should be adding to them. I can and am driven by an overabundance. That's who we are as human beings. We are noted to extreme. So extreme yourself with regards to positive achievements. It's this strive, it's this ridifat mamon, which brings us to transgress mitzvot and even simple, natural, rational understandings and decisions are foiled and skewed through our redifata mamon, through our, our approach to the world in which we live it through a lens in which I just need more, I need to achieve more, I need to make more. Uh, ultimately speaking, says Mesilat Yesharim, you've affected the, I mean, it's something, it's nothing we're not all familiar with. The more a person says to themselves, once I achieve this, then I'll be able to, the more once they achieve it, they then have another statement of once I achieve that, then I'll be able to. 
the more people say it's really just so I could spend time with my family and be able to settle down appropriately, the more once they get there, they're envisioning how am I going to make certain for my children that they'll have that. And at that stage, how am I going to make certain for my grandchildren? It's in la davar sof, irrespective of a person's financial status and level in life. It's a continuous drive, which is innate in almost all of us. Yetera so what do you do? What do you do? So what I'm suggesting is use those same energies. Focus carefully on them. Understand them, appreciate them, and reappropriate them. Take them away from... It's not realistic for a working man trying to make money. The more a person is able to review these words, appreciate their, their, their futile efforts in life, and in turn say, but I have these energies and I'm driven like this, the more there's conditioning within your mind, within your heart for it, the closer you'll come to achieving it. Uh, we've, we've all met special, unique people who have done it. We've met people who have been able to stabilize their business life once they, of course, brought themselves and their families to a comfortable state of being and then focused on matters of essence. It's once not, it's not, com- oh, certainly. So, but, so but, but, but got there, until you get there? But, but oh. got there, got there is a subjective statement. In other words, along the way to it, what, where are your focuses? Where are your energies of, uh, um, um, directed? It's like in the second world, they have the whole concept of like burnout. We have the whole concept now that a lot of you know a lot of places are saying like if you don't balance your work-life balance, then you won't be productive at work anyway. So and I think like some people, I think if you take this to the extreme, you're not really that productive at work anyway. But when people are balancing things yeah. that obviously spiritual needs all these things that you're comp- you know you're happy with what you're doing in life, you're more productive. You'll be more productive even in the endeavor itself. There's, there's another challenge to it also, and just as they people retire, right? Okay, you're not even working anymore. You don't see filled with people going to class and learning that are retired. It's what you get used to. So if you... I think that's true, but I think also the mindset shifts in a negative way at retirement for many. The, 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 the effort throughout was that inner drive. Once I retire, I plateaued in general. Mm-hmm. As a result, I'm not driven even to the positive things any longer because I plateaued in, 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 entirely. I, I think it's more than that. It's, it's, well, someone said I heard that it's high moving by, you should hold on to it. So if you play, just as an example, if you play golf your whole life, you, I hear you. play golf. I hear you. If you learn your whole life and you're tired, you'll learn. I hear you. I'm just like, saying, in th- I hear you. I'm just saying, in theory, the person could say, I have it in mind throughout. But if the mindset is, is shut down in terms of the driving, in terms of driving force, it'll be uh, shut down in general. But I, I hear you. It's, 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 it's as well a certain conditioning throughout. Yetera alea says, beyond the hamdat and ridifat hamamun is hamdat hakabod, is that lost that desire for respect. A person might be able to overcome, to suppress the drive for finances, for, for, for monetary gain, but for kabod, that will still be dohek, that will be pushing the individual. The truth is, and it's not for, not for, shouldn't be taken uh, for, for uh, lightly, uh, the description in, in the eyes of the hachamim is, uh, is it, it's the pasuk that uh, that uh, tour begins and and Shohan Aruch cites in Siman Aleph, Ura Kevodi. We envision our nefesh, we envision our neshama, our soul as being our embodiment of kavod. 
It's, uh, we look at uh, people and we say they have a tzelem elokim, and as a result, they're deservant of a certain kabod. There's no questioning that. Again, here's the fine line that gets, that gets skewed and gets pushed in the wrong direction. It's when a person, instead of appreciating that and realizing it, brings it beyond that and assumes because my essence is one of kavod because I want to be like Borei Olam who's melochol ha'aretz kevodo well in turn my kavod should be melochol ha'aretz ki i'efshar lo lispol velirot et atzmo pachut mehaverav pachot mehaverav person has difficulty seeing themselves in terms of stature in terms of importance lower than others than their friends there are many who were lost and uh, and destroyed through ridifata kavod Remembered as one of the more evil personalities in our history. The Gemara first describes in the eyes of the rabbis of uh, how great he was in his uh, understanding, in his grasp, in his novelties in the context of Talmud Torah. They understand Yeravam and Navat as being above and beyond any of the scholars of his time or afterwards, and yet Ta'avata Kavod takes him down to the extent that the rabbis recreate this story and listen carefully to the words. He's promised by Borei Olam, change your ways, stop seeking that respect, and you, and excuse me, me, you and Ben Yishai, meaning David HaMelech, will walk together in Gan Eden. The response of and question of Yeravam Ben Avat is who will be first with regards to me and David HaMelech? And the answer is David. And for that, he says, I'm not interested. Oh. But listen to the proposition of God to him. First and foremost, we see Ridifata Kavod already. But listen to the words of Chaim Shmulevitz brings this to our attention. The first words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to him are, it'll be me, you, and then David. So the, the statement too, if you read the Midrash carefully, to Yiravam is, you're going to be first. It's going to be me, you, and then David. But, says Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz, then what's the question? Why is he asking? So who's Barosh? It's a famous statement of his. He says he needed to hear it again and explicitly. He wanted Borei Olam Kivyachot to tell him, you're Barosh. I, I told you already. You need to hear it explicitly. Oh, for that, I'll tell you that David is going to be first. If that's the case, if that's the case, I'm not interested. It's an amazing, it's a startling the statement. It, the, Maybe he was demoted because of the question. Because of his, well, I don't think so. Why? He was because first. I think, and then he's like, if you're that petty, oh, 100%. You can't go oh, 100%. No yeah, question. That's what you mean. Yeah. I thought you meant the question was a problematic question. Here's the no. interesting thing about the question it's that, as, as Ralph mentioned earlier, as, as we've been discussing until now, when, it, when it's for ta'avata ruhaniyut, when it's kinat sofrim, so we look at this positively. So what, what was wrong with the question? Who's going to be Barosh? He's saying, I want Gan after all. We're going to be Mitayel and Gan What's the problem? That's fantastic. So he's looking for higher stature in Gan Eden. I don't have a problem with that. It's the response ultimately. So it's Ihachel Laba'ina. It's if that's the case, if I'm not going to, then the whole, the whole enterprise and the whole entity is not worth it. That's the problem ultimately speaking. So the question was not, 
it's an audacious, que- audacious question. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a very self-centered question and, and proposition to God. But ultimately speaking, it's his response which is what takes him down entirely. It's his response which takes him out of that situation. But again, the description, if you read it carefully in the Midrash, is he was going to be first. It's the question, oh, then I'm not going to repeat that for you out loud. That's what ultimately speaking takes him down. Gam kehuna Korah as well was brought down. It seems clear from the Pesukim, Ubikashtem Gam kehuna. Now the Pasuk says that you and B'nai Levi were raised up, Korah, and now you need as well Kehuna. Kehuna, of course, is the next level. The next level, in turn, is the negative side of Korah's drive for Kavod. V'chazal higidu lanu, kichozen imshach mpnesherai lisafan ben uziel nasi, v'hayar oceli yotu nasi bimkomom. The Chachamim, Rashi, in his commentary to the Torah, fill in the gaps over there and suggest that Korah felt it was appropriate because of his lineage to be higher up as Nasi. It was a Redifat HaKavod, which ultimately speaking brings Yeravam and Korah down. Hu shigaram lefida'at hazal, quotes from Zohar, el hammeragelim sheyotziu diba'al ha'aretz vegarmu mita lahem ulchol doram yiratam penyemat kevodam b'chnisatam According to Zohar, the Meragelim, the Tarim at Haaretz, enter into Eretz Kena'an and think to themselves for one reason or another that in entrance to the land, they'll lose their stature. It's for that reason they come back with a negative portrayal because they fear that. A kavod at its core, at the root of their sin. The Pasuk describes how the Nashim spoke highly of Shaul, but even higher about David. David was tens of thousands, where Shaul was ba'alafav. The Pasuk in turn says, Shaul had a certain kin'ah or ridifa of kavod. David got them speaking about him like that. What about me? It's for that's that's his ultimate initial and ultimate takedown. And similarly, Yoav, who kills Amasa in a tragic occurrence, was. Kavod at its core, at its root as well. Kalalo shel davar hakavod hu adohek et lev haadam yoter mikol hatishukot vahahamadot shebaolam veluleze kvar hayaolam mitrazel leichol mashiuchal lelbosh mashiachaser vato velishkon bebayit shetastirehu min hapegaim vayaparnasoto kala alav velo hayatzarich liitiagel haashir kalal ela I believe Mesilaj Sharim is referring over here implicitly to a Midrash. The Midrash ironically brings us in the opposite direction. The Midrash talks about the Yetzer Hara, which was created during Sheshit Me Bereshit. And the vision of the Midrash is that that was Tov Me'od. Uh, that was really great. Why is Yetzer Hara Tov Me'ot? The Midrash describes, if it wasn't for Yetzer Hara, we wouldn't have commercial activity. If it wasn't for Yetzer Hara, we wouldn't have homes. I want a home because you have a home. I want money because you have money. Effectively, the Midrash is describing that if we didn't have a drive to be 
greater than the other, we wouldn't have competition, and in turn, the entire social fabric and atmosphere would collapse. Effectively, then, we've arrived at another circumstance where there is a positive aspect to these midot. There is a positive aspect to kavod, to assert, to, to assert for myself uh, the will, the capacity that I'm searching for, that I don't want to just wear clothing. I don't want to just cover my head at night. I don't want to just have a little bit of food on the table. There's not per se absolute rotten and negativity in that. That's not evil per se. However, he describes, the extreme would be if we didn't have any of this, that's where we would be. There's a careful balance that I think is, is, is to be struck over here. And I think that's what he's to a certain extent hinting at. Again, Had we not had I'll just eat whatever. I don't need fine steak. I don't need greater than better tasting food. I'll just wear whatever will cover my nakedness. I just need four walls and a roof over my head. The fact that I'm looking for something greater is because of what I'm suggesting again is in between the lines over here, if we read it carefully, he's effectively telling us, it's that redifat, that striving, that obsession with kavod that's bringing us to those extents, uh, but don't think that there can't be any. If there wasn't any, we might not have, uh, we, we might not even have a strong home. Uh, to be able to be mistapek memashiyesh lanu is not to say that we should be downtrodden and destroyed in our approach of life. It's to be able to say that we need to take these midot and reappropriate re- them, to direct them in the positive direction, to focus on matters of ruhaniyu, to focus on matters of growth through the midah of kavod, through the midah of kinah, through the midah of hemdata mamon, each and every one of these can and should be used appropriately and positively to grow us, not to take us down.